Welcome, everyone, to another installment of Tedros Talks, where we have candid, thought-provoking conversations discussing a wide range of topics. I'm your host, Michael Tedros, with the one, the only, Jen Cameron, CEO of, of a company I work for called Inverse, and it's it's amazing. I don't want to go into in detail of what Inverse is just as of yet, but uh, Jen, say hi. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Michael. It's such an honor to be here. Um, no, honestly, I'm I'm really glad I brought you on. It's it's honestly this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, but it's school gets busy and this and that, and you just kind of delay things. But thankfully, it's reading week. I had um, just a little bit of time and, and obviously flexibility in my schedule, and I I had my mics and headphones with me, so I you know it, it worked out. Absolutely, you gotta just grab these opportunities when they come up. So I'm so glad that it's worked out for for both of us today. So before we kind of get into the questions that I have for you, I want us to just kind of give people just some context to what Inverse is. So in a few sentences, what is Inverse? Sure. Well, so imagine if Bloomberg and Minecraft had a baby and Benjamin Graham was the nanny, then you'd have Inverse. So Bloomberg represents our foundation in high quality investment tools and data and Minecraft is our sense of collaborative play. And Ben Graham represents our commitment to common sense financial education. So in other words, we are a gamified investment education platform that is built on a live investment research platform with live tools and data. Does that make sense? It, it kind of makes sense because I work for Edwards, so it makes sense. But I think I've, I don't think I've ever heard you give that like um, description. So I, it was, that was so interesting for a second. I was like, I was, I, I thought I like misheard you. And then I was like, okay, I don't know. She's trying to like, she's saying Minecraft. Cause it's like, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a do your own type of thing. Okay. And it's like, you know, for the kids that makes sense. Okay. Okay. I, I have so many more questions to ask about Edwards, but I, I, we need to, people need to know who you are first. So we're going to save those for later on the episode. Okay episode okay. but i think people are already intrigued now so they're gonna probably stay back uh but so first um tell us about about tell us more about yourself tell us about your upbringing your early life where did you grow up what are some passions or interests as a child and then which will eventually lead into you know how inverse came about to be but yeah sure sure um well i had two wonderful caring parents and a brother and um was born in Hamilton, and then we moved to Ancaster, jumping forward a whole pile of years. I found an early interest in finance. Um, well, let me let me back up a little bit from there. So I was in I was in high school. I was a good student, and I was in one respect, I was pretty compliant. I enjoyed school. I kind of did what people told me to do. My parents told me to study math and science, so I studied math and science. And my parents wanted me to go to Mac. I know you are Mac and I know it's, it's a, an amazing school. My parents wanted me to go there. So I filled out all my applications for university and they were all McMaster, all science, math, like what I was told to do. And then on the last day that we could submit our universe, university applications, I went back in and I changed one to University of Toronto finance. So as it turns out, I did accept the University of Toronto one and I studied, you know, finance. So 
loved university and I remember walking along the streets of Toronto and wondering if I should um, continue on, like should I go and do a graduate degree or if I should get a job. And my heart wanted to continue in school, but my head said to get a job and my head won the day. Um, so I got my first job on Bay Street after graduating. It was at a smaller firm. They don't exist anymore. They, you know, have merged. That happens a lot on Bay Street. These firms come and go. They merge and change names. And while I was there, I got my license to trade stocks and bonds and futures and options. And I was also introduced to a Bloomberg. Loved working on Bay Street, but I was also entrepreneurial and right around that time, so this was like mid nineties, like the internet was there, but it was at this time that it was a lot of the commercial applications were starting to become apparent. And I remember this very strong feeling about wanting to do something in investing and the internet. I just remember this was like, like a soul calling. Um, anyway, I quit my job at the firm and, you know, you, you get paid quite well when you work on Bay Street. So I had some pretty good savings. Um, so traveled for about nine months, came back to Canada, to Vancouver, and I got a job at a startup, which was amazing. I mean, it was like a lot of fun and learned a lot and met great people. And actually met both my husband there and uh, my business partner for the for a company that we formed that was called Hyperwallet. Um, so we left we left that startup and me and my my friend Lisa, um, we started a company called Hyperwallet, which was a payment system. Well, it actually started its life as a system to put cash on the internet. So we were a little bit ahead of our time with that one, but it morphed into a payment system, um, global payment system. And then in 2018, it was purchased by PayPal for 400 million. Then we had started, my husband and I had started Inverse and Inverse started its existence as an application, a web-based application to allow people to build their own financial models um, and there's a, there's a whole story, there's a whole story behind that, but I think I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to maybe ask something else. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> guys, I want you guys to know that I, I actually didn't know this, like coming in. Um, I'm finding this out now. Four million, what's a lot. Wow. Jen, good for you. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I got a small piece, a small piece, not, not, you know, you know, you hear that number and you think co-founder much, I got a ton, um, got a nice little piece. Okay. Just, just to be that clear. I think, um, I think the, um, the firm who, uh, who sort of engineered this whole thing, I think they got the lion's share. That was, um, Raymond James. No, that's, it's not even about, I don't even think it's about like the, the take-home number. I just think it's it's very impressive to to develop a company, to be then eventually bought out like for four hundred million. It's the type of thing that you hear about in Shark Tank. That's that's impressive. And I mean, and uh, 
no doubt, like, good on you. But something that I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs is that it's almost like they 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 don't like they can't stop being entrepreneurs. Where it's like they'll 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 work at a company or startup, they'll sell it off and do something else. Why do I see? Why is this a common trend? I think in entrepreneurs, and obviously you're not excluded from this. Um, I can't speak for other entrepreneurs. I know what interests me about it. Um, like I would describe myself as a creative person, like a person who values creativity very, 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 very highly. And for me, it's, it's like, it's like an opportunity to be an artist, except rather than like working with paints or clay or something like that, you're working with business models and, um, technology and, and different ideas and different ways of doing things. So that's, that's for me, that's what gets me going. The fact that it's a stage to be creative. And if you get it right, I mean, there's a, you know, you can, like, if we get inverse off of the ground, we're going to be helping people understand investing. And that means that they may have a better financial outcome than they would otherwise. Or that may mean that you know, if some sort of wolf of Wall Street type guy comes up to them and tries to, you know, scam them, then they'll recognize that that's a scam. So if we're successful, like this, this is something that could make a difference in people's lives. And that's, you know, that means something to me. Interesting. Um, so obviously, you're very entrepreneurial, um, as we've just established. So question I want to ask you, do you think this is just something that's like inherent in like in who you are and who you know other entrepreneurs that you know are uh, or and slash or do you think that there have been like people in your life whether it be you know a mentor you know or, you know a role model that maybe doesn't know who you are like someone that like a, like a warm buffet or something or even just like a, a parent that was just encouraging growing up that kind of you know um kind of planted the seed which is which is you know now like taking us to who we are or where we are now uh, absolutely michael um so my my father had his own business and my grandfather had a business investing was kind of around the family as well like my grandparents invested my parents invested um my first well actually it wasn't my first entrepreneurial venture my first entre entrepreneurial venture was back in high school making sort of uh, t-shirts with a, a design on them and we would sell them at concerts but another entrepreneurial story this is just a small thing but when I was traveling I ran out of money so I was staying at this hostel and I noticed that there were a lot of British folks there like older British people so I went to a health food store and I bought the mix to make scones <laughs> and so I would make scones and I would put them in the common area and I would say okay two dollars per scone and you know i would do that you know every couple of days and these british folks were there and they would eat up all the scones and then i would get a little bit more money you know for the next leg of travels interesting yeah um my husband who's the cto of inverse like we've been together for almost 20 years i guess back in the day we used to think of new ideas that we would like be walking along the street and he would come up with a business idea and he would, we would talk about it. And maybe the next day I would come up with something and we'd talk about it. So 
we've gone through lots and lots and lots of business ideas over the years. Um, yeah, we're, we're working hard on inverse right now. Um, and that's our sole focus at this stage. So I, I was curious. So with inverse, you know, um, we, we very briefly talked about inverse, but I want us, I want you kind of to guide us through more, like in more detail, what is inverse and like, what did the idea come about? You know, what was like the aha moment of like, ah, we need, we need this. And uh, yeah. Sure. Well, actually um, like you pivot, like when you're developing something, you do pivots, like you get information and you make changes. So inverse actually started its life as this tool to allow people to build their own financial models. And the reason I wanted to do this is um, I was studying for my accounting designation. I, I'm a CPA and a CFA, and I was working on my accounting designation. And there was a course that was about whether or not financial statements matter. And you can look at whether or not financial statements matter through a number of lenses, like does it matter to management? Does it matter to shareholders? Does it matter? matter to regulators but the lens that they were looking through was does it matter to investors like can an investor look at a financial statement and get meaningful information from it and this course looked at these two models which were developed in academia and they were published so peer-reviewed documents and they were they were demonstrated to to be to being able to find alpha so i was like completely like with my background working on bay street and and bloomberg i was really intrigued by this and i hadn't heard of either of them one is a valuation model which i've seen people call it i mean i don't see it very often people call it different things i call it the olson clean surplus model that's what it was taught to me as so I built, I worked on both of these models. Like you, you have to get a lot of pieces of financial statement information. You have to do like iterative equations in order to kind of get down to like the final number, um, which is a lot of fun if you like doing that stuff, but it's also really time intensive and pulling all that bits of information. It's not practical. Like you could work the models for one company and it might take you like a couple of hours and then you might discover that no, it's not a good investment. So you spent two hours and it's, you know, it's, it, you, you can't really do anything except not invest in the company. So what you need to be able to do is run these models on like tons and tons of companies at once, almost to use it as like a screener. So you need to be able to like, because these are unique models, you need to be able to build, uh, build it and then run it against a big swath of companies. And it, that kind of software did not exist. I looked, <laughs> I looked hard and I was talking to my husband about it. And he said, well, I can probably build you something. So that was the genesis of inverse. That was the sort of the seed of it, this tool to build unique models. And, you know, we worked with that, you know, he, he, he built it, you know, we sort of monkeyed around a little bit with it and then, you know, kind of started to think, well, if, I need this, maybe other people do. And we were both working at other jobs. So for a few years, it was just sort of something that we were working on on a part-time basis, you know, trying to find product market fit, trying to find somebody who, like, who's the market for this? We were trying different things and going on and on and on. And kind of got to the point where 
you know, realized that, you know, uh, need to bring somebody new on, like we need to bring business development people on, or we maybe need to stop doing this because we're not getting any traction whatsoever. So I went out to my um, network and I put a proposal together saying like, I will give up this portion of our shares in exchange for like a business development person. And actually, as it turned out, I made, I meant three from McMaster and they proposed a pivot, like a, actually a pretty major pivot where inverse would become an investment research platform for, you know, not, not so specific, like, you know, it's fairly high end if you're building your own models, but this would be for, you know, someone just coming into investing or someone who's been at it for a little while, but it would be more broadly based. So um, I really like these guys. And although I didn't find the idea super duper original, I thought, I thought there's, there's potential here and we'll kind of see where we get to. So the first innovation that we had was to make it social and collaborative. So what we wanted to be able to do is for people to share, easily share, you know, discoveries that they make, um, to share pieces of data and, and charts and graphs, which is what you can do on Inverse. Like you can snapshot something, you can put it into the feed and someone else can grab it. Um, eventually you want to make tools that people build, maybe a stock screen that someone builds shareable. And eventually we wanted to bring in the ability to make your own models and make that shareable as well. So that was sort of the first innovative piece that we did. Um, the next one was, um, was the sort of the genesis of the gamification. And we, we built, um, we built the ability for people to paper trade when paper trading, that's a bit of a jargon, but paper trading just means practice trading. Like you can, you can buy and sell securities um, and you're just using fake money. And so obviously you're not actually buying it, but you can build out a whole portfolio. The whole trading mechanism is real world. So we had built that piece out and we were finding that that was one of the more popular pieces of our platform. And then sort of the next piece that flowed after that was something that we invented called motion to invest and motion to invest is, is to encourage people to do is to create actionable research. So if I do some research on a company, I can create a motion to invest, which is basically just puts down all of my reasoning to make that investment and I can put it into the feed and others will vote on it. And if it gets uh, quorum, if it gets enough votes, and if it gets enough yes votes, then it gets executed into a collaborative portfolio, which just means like anyone can make a motion. And if it gets, if it passes, then, then we buy it into a practice portfolio. And, and then everyone can see how those, those motions do. Like you can read, you can see how someone analyzes a stock. And then if it passes, if enough people think this is a good idea and it passes, then you can see how it does over time. So that in itself is a learning mechanism, right? Okay, this person, you know, looks at value and quality and growth. And as a result, they've, they've selected this company and they they bought it back in whatever, you know, April or whatever, and, and it's been doing well. So they just, it's just sort of learning by osmosis. Um, and then the next piece along the gamification track is 
um, or was this idea of like make the platform more engaging. Um, and like, I love trivia. So we thought, let's start creating some financial trivia. So we can ask a question like, um, you know, given, given this, this price and, and this, you know, PE ratio, like what's, what's the earnings per share or something like this, like, and then there'll be, you know, four choices, just trivia, four choices you pick. And if you are successful, you know, boom, confetti, and you win some Play-Doh. And Play-Doh is our platform currency. And Play-Doh is what you use to buy and sell securities. So we've sort of created this flywheel of gamification where um, you earn something of value as you learn. And what you earn can be used to like enter contests or, you know, build out a practice portfolio and that type of thing. So we want to educate people about investing using, you know, fun tools, right? Like investment does not need to be dry or dull or tedious. It can be like a lot of fun. Um, and you've been wonderful, a wonderful addition to the company you've been writing these extremely entertaining and educating posts um and they've been going you know onto our main feed but also into our education module so yeah it's just you know part of our plan to increase investment literacy because alas it's not taught in schools so we're, we're trying to uh, you know bridge that gap interesting so that was a lot so i have a couple of questions um that i'd like to ask so um firstly what were some challenges that inverse faced in its inception what are some challenges that inverse is facing now and what are you what do you think are some challenges that inverse that you anticipate inverse to face in its future or its growth obviously this could be all the same it could be that what like but you know generally speaking what are some challenges that you know inverse has been facing sure um well, early stage challenge was, you know, um, we just we just didn't build we didn't build something that the market seemed to want. So that's fine, right? Um, I mean, that's fine if you discover and you and you move on. So with what we're doing now, the gamified investment education, the challenge, the challenge has been to monetize it to. Um, to find someone who's going to pay for it, product market fit, because inverse is free. Um, we feel that we want it to be free because we want people to become literate in investing, but we need to make money. So how do we do that? Um, and it turns out that financial institutions um, really quite like what we're doing. <laughs> so we're looking at financial institutions, um, sponsorship partners with them. And then the other thing that's become quite interesting, um, I've been doing research on is bringing inverse into high schools, because we have all of the pieces for a teacher to be able to set up their own private group um, on inverse to invite their students they can use our curriculum to teach them about investing. You know, the kids, you know, get to read one of your amazing posts 
and then they answer a question, they earn Play-Doh, they get the chance to uh, practice investing and practice trading and, you know, they can have a contest. We support competitions as well. So um, that's something that we're looking at right now is bringing Inverse into high schools. Um, and as for future challenges, um, assuming that Inverse gets the traction that it needs, that it starts to, you know, fire in in high schools and in universities, and, you know, we get the financial support from, from financial institutions, what will concern me the most is, is grabbing the market, um, making sure that when people think of gamified investment education, when they think of investment education, they're thinking of inverse. So we need to like create that market category and then own that market category. So when we get to that stage, my plan is, you know, to work with professionals who, who know about doing that. That's sort of in the VC world, in the, you know, world of building startups, that's kind of the golden calf, I guess you could call it. Like the holy grail is if you can create a market category and then get your brand tied in with it. So that will be our next challenge once we demonstrate product market fit and start to get traction. Interesting. So I wanted to share with you an observation that I've noticed with a lot of um, um, just talking to people about Inverse. I've noticed something very interesting where people that are that I guess don't need inverse, so people that maybe um, are a little bit older than me, they're educated enough for they maybe inverse just isn't a place for them or very, very impressed with inverse, but they're like, it's just great, I love it, it's just not for me. And then people that, um, like for example, educators and, and, and parents, I've also talked to, they said similar thing, like it's not for me, but this is great. And they would, all three all three categories of people would point back to, they say, but this would be great for kids, obviously. Um, but I've noticed, believe it or not, surprise, surprise, kids do not care about any type of education. Um, but I, what I've noticed is that it's not about what they care, it's they need it. And I've noticed a lot of people that are adults, they, they see this and they say, you know, if I, when I was a kid, I wouldn't really care about this, but I needed it. Uh, but I've noticed because inverse is, I, I guess the piece is just the way it's set up. It's, it's very, very um, not necessarily kid friendly, but it's it has that low attention span of high schoolers and even uni kids, even kids in mind. Um, it, it's I think kids find it bearable. So I think our goal is it. My my suggestion I think is maybe we shouldn't be marketing it to, to, to high school kids themselves because even if it's fun and and useful and so on, kids would much rather be, you know, out, you know, partying or even in playing video games or whatever than being on inverse. So how do you think we can you know, um, leverage interested parents and interested teachers to then um, feed it back to kids that would really benefit from this. Um. Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, interestingly, uh, you know, Gen Zs, your generation, like there's quite a, you know, wide range of Gen Zs, like I think maybe 11 years old to like mid-20s or so. They actually have a, a high propensity to invest. Like it's in Canada, it's over 70%. In the States, it's like 56%. So if you kind of average it out and like maybe around 60% or something like that. So there's a high propensity to invest. Um, a lot of them haven't had investment education. 
and they're getting, they're learning about it through social media. They're not going to like the credible sources, like dry, dense texts, which is understandable. However, they would rather learn about it from people that they love and trust. They would rather learn about it from their parents or their teachers. So I do think that there's a big place for inverse in high schools, that it could become part of general financial literacy or part of a, of, of a business class. And I think that once kids get exposed to it, if they have any interest in investing, then that this will be the, a great place for them. And if they're not so interested in investing, well, that's okay. Um, at least they get exposure to it. At least they come to understand the basics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of kids do. A lot of, a lot of kids are interested in investing from what my research says. I don't know. Maybe I, to be honest, I haven't looked at the stats. You're probably right. Uh, maybe, maybe like high schoolers that I talk to are a tough crowd. What I did notice is that the kids that are interested in investing, um, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a, you know, a binary. The kids that are interested in investing are very interested, like very interested. And the kids that aren't, are like absolutely not interested. So I, I even noticed because I'm, I'm part of another club called Penny Drops on campus, where we, we do we have these financial literacy workshops, um, just different high schools. And I've noticed that maybe most of the class is just maybe because they're young, grade ten or whatever, is sometimes tough to kind of get their attention. Um, but most of the class is just absolutely unbothered, like just was like you know, trying their best to just bear. The, the, the workshop or the lesson or the talk or whatever and then there's like a small proportion of, of the group that is just unbelievably fascinated they're very, like they're like they're like so interested in this whole idea of like wait if I do this it'll do this to my credit score and wait a second that credit has all these perks over debit and if I lose my credit card then you know uh, you know like I'm not liable if I lose my debit card then it's it's my money that's lost like all these little things that they didn't realize about just they're just basic financial literacy that I think you know, that like are so obvious to any any of us in the industry, um, and it just it's so fascinating to them. So, I imagine when it comes to interest of anything, it's kind of like you know, a pair distribution. Most people are kind of you know in the middle, kind of interested. Some people are very interested. Some people are not interested at all. But it seemed to me that from from my same small sample size, it wasn't like that. So it it seems to me that uh, it's almost like we need to just kind of conjure up all these kids and put them all in inverse because those are the kids going to really drive the platform because they have time they have energy and so when you have time and energy that's a, it's a great it's a great user base to have um, something also interesting that I noticed that I, I want you to comment on is that when I when I look at people that the inverse users that I know I've noticed um, the beginner investors are much more interested in the FinEd modules which makes sense and I've noticed the seasoned investors are, are, are by season, I mean like just, you know, well-versed undergrad kids, the quote-unquote seasoned investors are much more interested in the feed. So what other, what other investors think and what other investors are saying. And uh, obviously the financials that go along with their, um, you know, investment thesis, um, which I thought very, very interesting. Um, so do you think that inverse, um, is, is do, do you think that having two different user bases on inverse um, comp, complement they, like they complement each other or do you think that it's almost two products under one umbrella because I feel like sometimes it's they're different people using different things on inverse but ideally the goal is is that um, 
once we get the beginner investors more comfortable on the FinEd modules, they'll be more comfortable to, you know, be going through the feeds and writing their own posts and make it, you know, sending out their own motions and so on and so forth. What are your thoughts? Um, great question. Is Inverse two products or can they, they work together and sort of complement one another? And I certainly hope that the answer to that question is the latter, that the two can complement each other. That was the vision. Like the vision of the platform is social and collaborative. And you know, you're it's it's about sharing information. It's it's supposed to be a safe place where if you, you know, don't know too much, then you can speak with somebody who does know more. Um so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I have a vested interest in it being one place. And I feel like, you know, if you want to educate people, then it's nice to be able to do it in a place that has all that extra stuff. I mean, maybe they won't find themselves overly interested in investing. They just want to maybe get the basics or maybe they have to get the basics for school. But if they are, then they can, you know, they can check out the financial statements. They can compare it to other companies. They can research dividends. Um, they can see what other people are saying. So they have a full gamut to explore because, in a, you know, like we're deep into the gamification. Like we are like 100% into gamified investment education. And part of gaming is adventure and discovery so the idea that the platform is data and tool rich i hope is going to be intriguing for people regardless of where they are um, on their investment journey and you know somewhat regardless of where what their level of interest is um you know they might find they might find different things fascinating. You know, they might find charts fascinating, although I'm personally not a chart person myself, but, um, you know, they might find the idea of competing, you know, joining a, joining a, a, an investment competition and seeing how they do. I think if we provide enough channels, you know, whether it's FinEd or FinTrivia or competitions or, you know, reading interesting posts, or, you know, messing around with the tools that people will sort of find their their niche um, in the world of investing, or at least just get the, you know, understand the importance of it and get the basics. Um, because if someone, for us, if someone decides that they don't want to be a DIY investor, they don't want to fiddle around and figure out, you know, how to build a portfolio, but they do appreciate the importance of it. Um, so they decide that they would rather, you know, work with a robo-advisor or, you know, build a portfolio of ETFs, a, a passive portfolio of ETFs. We would still consider that a win. Like someone, for us, it, they don't have to become a DIY investor. Um, we just want them to, you know, take a step towards intelligent investing. Interesting. So I, I want to ask you two other questions that are, you know, kind of inverse questions um pun intended so i want to ask you what are some things that you think set inverse apart so some things that are very unique about inverse that i don't think 
like another like any platform has and then the inverse of that question is what do you think are th- are things that like inverse lacks like what, what are some things that you think um that you guys are working on right now that you feel that inverse needs and that you know those are are are, are, are you know short-term goals of like certain additions and what are th- some things that are like you know in stock to release in future you know the future months future years whatever it may be yeah absolutely um what sets inverse apart is um you know social collaborative game gamification you know i i have to do a lot of competitive analysis as a founder i have to look at what other companies are doing and there is nobody else in the space of gamified investment education if you look at i mean the idea of paper por- or paper portfolios, practice portfolios, that's out there, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of limited. Um, if you look at investment communities, you know, you're looking at maybe FinTwits on Twitter or X, I should say, or on Reddit. And again, kind of limited because, you know, you don't have any tools, you know, it's, someone's talking about something, you might want to check something out, like what is their dividend yield? Um, but you can't do that on Reddit very easily. As far as investment research platforms go, they're out there for sure. Um, they're usually, you know, individual in nature, sort of just built for one person to, you know, do your analysis on and then, you know, go, you go away. What's different about inverse is, you know, we've got the social collaborative piece. So you can do your research, then you can share it. And you can get some feedback on it. Um, so we've got sort of taking the best of both words, worlds and combining it into gamified investment education. Where we want to go in the future, we still want to keep hitting the gamification. We have you know, other ideas for games that we want to do. Um, we're going to be launching our first competition with Ivy Investor Society, which we're very excited about. That should be coming out later this week. And what's unique about our competitions versus other competitions is that we can optionally, the, the host, whoever's hosting it, can also throw in questions like uh, like a fin trivia type question. And if they get that right, they can earn, you know, a little bit of Play-Doh and that can go on their, that can, you know, boost their return. So their return can be a combination of both, you know, learning and how they do with their picks. Plus, we can also throw in real world challenges like, you know, you know, cash flows, you know, you got an additional $5,000, you need to invest in that type of thing. So we can do a lot in the way of competitions. We want to add more data and tools. We'd like to add more metrics to the platform. You mentioned that to me that you'd like to have more metrics. Um, And we have hundreds and hundreds that we can add. It's just like you know, how do you manage them? So we want to be able to give people the uh, ability to select their favorites. So they're, you know, at their fingertips. We want to add in real-time data. Uh, We're right now we're near real-time data, which is like a 15 minute delay. Um, We'd like to add in options as well. Yeah. So that gives you a little bit of a flavor of the roadmap of where we're going. Oh, plus, yeah native mobile as well. We are mobile enabled. Like we look good on a phone. We just don't have that native app where you can just, you know, click a button and launch inverse. So that's coming as well. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited for the app because, Jen, I'm telling you, um, once the inverse app drops, I'm never, 
ever touching my laptop ever again. I'm just going to be like, you know, I'm just going to be like, you know, in the shower, on the toilet, in the car, just <laughs> inversing all day long. Um, and I'm so excited for that. And I, I agree. I think inverse is just the way this website is set up. In fact, when, the, when believe it or not, when I first joined inverse, the website I felt looked so like mobile appy to the point where I like searched inverse on the app store, just assuming that it's like, there's obviously an app for this. And then I, I later realized that, you know, it's still, no, it's, still, it's still like a work in progress, but I, I think, I think an app would be an amazing addition. Um, I wanted to ask you two more questions. I think obviously we talked about inverses for um, those like they're interested in financial education. So what would you say is some advice that you want to give some of the young kids that, um, you know, are interested in investing, just give them some, some investment tips. Like what should their philosophy be? Cause I know a lot of times, like, especially nowadays, kids are falling into bubbles and hype and stuff. And a lot of times I've always been, even though I'm a Gen Z, I've always been about like fundamental analysis, just a company's fundamentals and just, I'm like a, I've always been a Warren Buffett fan, just really a good investment is simply an equity or whatever it may be where it's cost is below its value. Like it's as simple as that. A lot of times kids are getting into this, you know, technical analysis and well, it's going to go up in a week. So I'm going to buy 10 shares and then I'm going to sell it in a week, so on and so forth. I'm not really a big fan of that because it's just, given the stock market is so volatile, it's just, it's not a long-term feasible game to play. Try it and test philosophy just works. Fundamental analysis just works. It's reliable. I know obviously I'm oversimplifying fundamental analysis and technical analysis, but that's just my philosophy. What is your investment philosophy and what is your advice for some of the young kids that are getting into investing? Because I know it's definitely a problem where a lot of kids my age are, are falling into these, you know, these scams and financial gurus on YouTube that are paying for these ads. Like, you know, I make seven figures a, a day, you know, uh, buy this $500 course, then you, you can be like me. You know what I mean? I, and I see them all the time, all the time. And when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I was intrigued. Obviously, I've, I don't think I've ever bought one of them because some of these classes are like ridiculously expensive. But the, there's, there, it's so many of them. And something, a common trend I've seen with all of them is they all crap on the other other guy. One of them will be like, oh, forget the stock market. You know, um, dropshipping changed my life. And then the next guy will be like, forget dropshipping. Um, and he'll talk about like, you know, uh, being an Amazon seller is the way to go. The next guy will have something else crapping on the, the past three, you know, investment, um, you know, investment uh, forms. So, uh, yeah, I know I kind of rambled on a little bit, but simply, um, what is your advice for young investors and how do you think they can avoid some of these, you know, investment um, traps and ungullible people that are trying to get into investing? Um, Excellent question. Um, I'm like you, Michael. It's fundamental analysis and it's value, like the the post that you made today about um, the enigma of Benjamin Graham, like Benjamin Graham is my guru, um, the intelligent investor, like buy a good company for less than it's worth and you're in good shape. If And what I would warn young people is if you're hearing about it on social media, then it's been played out. So there's a saying in, in, in poker and it's if you sit down at a table and you don't know who the patsy is you're the patsy 
And honestly, some I've seen these crazy things that you're talking about on social media myself, like these, like I make seven figures every, you know, two and a half days, nonsense. Um, <laughs> it that's, it's not true. It's not true. Um, and if it is true, then they're, 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 they're engineering some kind of scam. And as for trading, I, I know that a lot of people really enjoy trading and they see patterns in the numbers and I don't want to be harsh, but the, the science says that there's, there's nothing there. There's no actionable information there. Plus, if, if that's what you're going to do, you're going to be sitting in front of the, the computer all day long and then you won't have a life. <laughs> You'll just be looking at for these little tiny changes that are going to go your way some of the time and not go your way the other part of the time because it's just random. So though that would be, I would basically what I'm saying is I echo exactly what you said, Michael. Fundamental analysis, intrinsic value, don't fall for scammers. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that, I think. So um, I wanted to ask you a question. So um, of, you know, what are your thoughts on some of these other, because like I said, I've, like I said, I've, I've always been a fundamentals guy. So I've been, believe it or not, I'm only nine, well, 20 now, but I'm, I've always been, I'm 20, but I'm, I've always been old school guy when it comes to uh, investment philosophy. I, I wasn't really a big fan of crypto. I wasn't really a big fan of drop shipping. I wasn't really a big fan of many of these other things. So I want to know your opinion on some of those, you know, alternate, uh, you know, investment opportunities nowadays because i've always been a stock market and real estate guy so what are some common things that people are investing today that you're just not a fan of like at all um give me your like top three worst investments of today uh i wouldn't touch an nft um not not as an investment i mean it might have other utility uh to you like it it, it like a subscription. So that's fine, but I wouldn't touch it as, as an investment. Uh, most of the crypto is garbage. Probably the only one that's not is Bitcoin. Um, and then I would, I would be cautious about new, new technology as well. Um, there's a lot of hype that happens when new technology comes out and we are reaching a point of diminishing returns with technology. Um, like, here's an example. A phone, you know, phones were invented like 100 years ago. And the technology involved with a phone compared to what they are now is like, there's no comparison. Like a, an iPhone is, has huge technology behind it. However, what just the plain old regular phone did for society was massive. Like it, far superior what a cell phone or an iPhone does. Because back in the day, to communicate with somebody, it would take weeks or months. You know, communication traveled at the speed of horse. Um, so when you get a phone in there and now communication is instantaneous, that's massive. That is massive and it dwarfs what was accomplished with an iPhone. Sure, it's nifty and it's whizzy and it's great technology, but from a social point of view, what was accomplished with the phone, just a plain old phone, rotor dial phone was much bigger. So like we heard about, you know, a few years ago, there was all kinds of hype around new technology. And the fact of the matter is there may be, you know, a couple of good use cases for it, but you have to be very careful because 
a lot of it's not going to measure up to the hype. So that would be my third piece of advice. I want, okay, so I want to play for you like a, a short little video. Um, I want you to, this is hilarious. It's hilarious to me, by the way, because people that don't know anything about investing um, watch this and they just, they're like, oh, this is really wise. And I, like, I'm not going to, you could probably tell from the voice who this person is. I'm not going to name drop him here. I'm generally a fan of him. This video is not it for me, but I, I want to play a video and you tell me just your reaction to what he's saying because I, I find it very hilarious. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm gonna play the video. What would it take for you to get three billion within six months? I'd take a hundred million that I have and I'd go to a big institution and say, hey, 10X my 100. That'd be a bill. Don't do that 100%. I'd take the bill and go buy three billion. A billion dollars will buy three or four billion dollars worth of real estate. We could do four billion this year. I don't understand why you're thinking so small. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm curious why you play so small when you have the opportunity. You can. Do, you just came up with the answer in 10 seconds. Yeah. Why wait? Why come here? I, got, I came here from a therapy session today. Thank you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Okay, so if you guys missed that, the guy asked him, um, oh, <laughs> what would it take for you to make $3 billion in six months? And the guy says to him, um, I'd take $100 million, I'd go to any bank, I'd tell them, <laughs> I'd tell them 10x my 100, they'll, they'll do that, and I quote, they'll do that, and then I'll take that bill and I'll buy it. <laughs> And I'll, and I'll buy $3 billion, $3 billion worth of real estate and boom. So what are your, what are your thoughts on this? It's, it's preposterous, but um, I'll take this moment rather than to drill into the absolute foolishness of what he's saying. What I want to, what I want to make people aware of is the degree of confidence with which he's speaking. And that's what happens a lot on social media. Sorry, just to interrupt. I want to say one thing. He's a billionaire, by the way. He's a billionaire. So he's got some credibility. Because I like when I was younger, I don't know anything. I'd be like, this guy, you know, he's made it. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. So he's, he's already a billionaire. But I'm just surprised that he's a billionaire. And then he's giving this advice. And even in his TikTok bio, it says, um, it says, star of undercover billionaire, hustle more, hate less, 10x your business. So 10x your business is, is, his, is, is in his TikTok bio, which is very interesting. Sorry, continue. Um, I mean, I, I don't know who it is. Um, so I don't know how he became a billionaire. Billionaires are really, really rare. I just want to point out. Like there's very, 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 very few in the world. So, you know, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But a lot of, the, the, so the more general point that I wanted to make about this is these uh, gurus, these investment gurus, these people, they speak with so much, so much confidence and so much self-assurance that they've got the answer and you know this is something that you want that you need you know you want financial wealth and they're they're selling with just just trust me is what they're selling and you should not just trust them don't just trust anybody um, and be aware if someone makes it seem like it's easy like drop shipping is super easy all you have to do is this i make you know, all this money every single day and it's so easy. It's it's not easy. And just just be aware of the overconfident snake oil salesman is I'll leave it at that. So I wanted to I wanted to ask you to something else. So I on inverse if you actually if any anyone here has inverse and you go to 
um, Jen's account, which I'm going to pull up right now. Um, obviously, there's, you know, Jen's posts and so on and so forth. But there's something really interesting in your bio where you say mother of two, I believe. So tell me more about, obviously, you know, moms are very proud of uh, their kids. But I found it really interesting that you put mom of Charlotte and Chloe before C of Inverse, an accountant in CFA, which I thought was, was kind of cute. So tell me more about, um, you know, tell me more about like, you know, work-life balance and, you know, because um, for me, like obviously I'm not not married, not have kids. So obviously it's just it's just me on my own and just me focusing my career. But once you are at, like, I'm a real, because I think if you're, if you're like single, you don't have kids, like you're not like a real adult. Like you just, you become a real adult when you have other people to take care of. So when I become a real adult one day and I have my own bills to pay, bills to pay for other people like sometimes it's tough it's tough to keep that like work-life balance because it's like you're working for your kids but you also if you work too much for your kids you don't spend time with your kids like it's, it's a difficult thing to balance whether whether for, for me it's pretty easy you just the more you work the more i'm kind of just you know helping out my present or not maybe my present self but my future self tell me how you currently and in your, in your past um, venture has been able to balance being a mom which, which I'm, not, I'm not a mom obviously but I know it's you know very time consuming and difficult um, and being a CEO um, you know I, I think you really hit the nail on the head Michael when you said that <laughs> adulting really sort of starts when you have somebody else to take care of it's it, it really does change things um, I, I talk about being a parent first because the people that I love, um, my family, my girls, my husband, my friends, you know, my extended network, like that's what the world's about. It's about people, right? We, we create things for people. Um, I mean, I love being creative, but you know, being a parent is kind of creative too. So that's why I mention my girls first, because you know, they are my first priority work-life balance. Sometimes, you know, that that pendulum swings really hard. Like sometimes your family needs you very intensely um, at periods of time. And then other things sort of fall to the way, wayside. And then other times things get a little bit more balanced. And you can put more time and energy into your venture. But yeah, I, you know, Michael, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, life, you know, adulting really starts when you have someone else to take care of. Um, I mean, for me as a young adult, it was, you know, it was just, there was a lot of fun, right? You, you just kind of did what you wanted to do. You could travel, you could um, hang out with your friends anytime you wanted. But then when you get the kids involved, then, you know, your priorities change. Things really, really change. So I wanted to ask two last questions, not, you know, take up too much of your time. So one, I guess, is a lot more serious than the other. I'll start with the um, unserious one and then the serious one after, just kind of leave off on a wise note. I've always been really curious to ask this, so now I'm going to ask you, and it's going to be posted, but I'm really curious to know, what is your favorite, um, like, inverse piece of mine, inverse article, or anything I've wrote for inverse, and what is your, like, your least favorite, or something that you read, and you were like, oh, this guy sucks, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious to know. Um, I've never read anything that you've written and, and thought, this guy sucks, I like everything that you do. Um, and interestingly, the piece that you wrote today, the one that I mentioned already, the Benjamin Graham piece, that really, um, that really vibed with me because, yeah, because he is a hero of mine. He's, you know, common sense investing. I mean, the, he's the mentor that I look to. 
and his work has informed a lot of what I do. So yeah, the, the one that you most recently posted about uh, Benjamin Graham is my favorite to date. Interesting. If I Honestly, if I had to guess, I would have guessed the Warren Buffett one, but I, I think they're pretty close. So it makes sense. But I'm curious, you don't have any least favorites? You don't have any any, any pieces that you just you, know, you didn't like or anything like that? No, no, I don't have any that I didn't like. I mean, I've chuckled out loud with some of your pieces, with some of your the turns of phrase that you that you use. So I enjoy them very, very much, Michael. You're very, very um, pro- prolific, um, and sometimes it takes me a little bit to catch up. Like um, I just started nosing through the uh, the Greek series that you did, um, but I haven't given them the attention that they deserve. Well, I don't know. Honestly, I'm. I don't think you know how honored I am. That's that's, that's very sweet. Um, I'm honestly, I'm I'm so glad that I'm part of like Inverse. I don't I don't think you understand. Like, it's honestly, Inverse has been one of the best opportunities that, like I've ever had, and it's such an amazing. It, like it's like it's an amazing experience. I get to I get paid to write um, about find like f- different things investing, and I get paid to do the research to write. So it's like like it's it's a lot of fun. Um, the last question I want to ask you, this one's very general, so you could really take it wherever you'd like, but what is some just general life advice you have for some young kids that are trying to make it out there? Obviously, you're very accomplished, you know, uh, professional and entrepreneur and, and, you know, CEO and so on. So what, are, what what is your advice for me, for kids my age, um, for people that's trying to make it in life? And Well, I think it's really important to um, do something that you like that feeds feeds you. Um, that's more than just a paycheck. Um, Joseph Campbell, uh, another hero of mine, used to talk about following your bliss. Um, like you're 20 years old and you, you know, you've got your whole life in front of you, but every day, you know, your life passes and eventually you've, you, you've got more life behind you that you've already lived than you have life in front of you still to live. And you just want to make sure that well, how you're spending your time is meaningful to you. So my piece of advice is just to take the time and, and f- figure yourself out, figure out what turned your crank. And there's a lot of pressure on you. I, I know that there's pressure on you for from your parents and from society, from your teachers on, on what you should do. But try and try and nurture yourself and answer those questions for yourself. All right, that wraps it up. Um, thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. And honestly, it was a pleasure, you know, getting to know each other for you know an hour and so on. And um, you know, honestly, obviously, I learned a lot. There's a lot of wisdom here that I'm, you know, excited to share with the world. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very, very much, Michael, for having me. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a wonderful day.